Pardon the interruption, but I'm Mike Wilbon. Kornheiser is off. Phil and Frank was unavailable. So we got real desperate. Ooh, hoo, hoo. Bam! Oh, that's Dang. been a long time. It's been a Ooh, long time, good. Danny. Man. Oh, I went and got that from my groin, Wilbon. <laughs> He's starting to kill the show already. Welcome to PTI. Tony is recuperating. So I am joined by our great friend who now has a new podcast network named Levitard and Friends. Who knew we had friends? Dan Levitard. <laughs> that was unnecessary. Who, who knew he had friends? It's just a name. I don't actually have it. Still. It's just an acronym. Can. It's an acronym for laugh. It, it's a long story. Not with Levitard or his podcast, but with championship week in the NFL. Dan won't mind that. The Rams will have to figure out how to defeat Drew Brees, the Saints' high-octane offense, and all that noise generated in the Superdome. To that end, Sean Payton has implored his team's fans to focus on the first 25 seconds of the play clock and make as much noise as possible to hinder communication between Sean McVay and Jared Goff. Dan, do you think this could be an actual factor in the game? One of the things I find interesting is that football has gotten so sophisticated, Mike, that I don't feel like really we know as much as Peyton and McVay about what they're doing on offense. But we do know that Jared Goff is the weakest of the quarterbacks still in the playoffs. And we know that he was pretty terrible before McVay got there and started whispering in his ear in a way that makes them advance. So if I'm Sean Peyton, that's exactly what I do. I try to foul up the communication because there's only one system quarterback in the entire playoffs left. And it's the one that you see in Los Angeles. Dan, I don't disagree with any of that, but I would add this. After the communication is shut off between the coach or whoever it is on the sideline who wants to talk to the quarterback in his ear, like you said, whispering in his ear through the helmet communication, he still has to communicate instructions to his players. And what noise is not important then? You mean to tell me in the Superdome, which I think is the loudest indoor place and one of three true home field advantages, maybe four, Lambeau, Seattle, and Kansas City. You mean to tell me it's not important to continue to make noise in the final 15 seconds before the snap? Is that just Sean Payton being self-absorbed as always? No, here's the thing, though, Mike. I love the game between these two teams earlier in the season. Such sophisticated offense that even the Saints defense, which is good, was having trouble keeping up. When the Rams caused a turnover, I was like, game over, because there's not going to be a stop in this game. We're just going to see them going oh, I back I think there will forth. be in this one, Danny. No, I, you think I know, be but the, the, the last one season? didn't look like that. The, right. the last one looked high scoring, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's exactly the same thing because these two teams are so fun and talented. Give me an over-under, Dan. How many points in this game? Over-under. I would, I would go over 60. I would go over 60. And okay. it's rare to get an over-under over 60 on a betting line. That's rare. Yep. We go from talking about crowd noise to the disrespectful noise that surrounds the Patriots, who are sounding insecure and defensive about the blasphemy that is installing them as a three-point underdog on the road against a team that has been objectively better than them all season. Julian Edelman is daring you to doubt him, and he's so enraged by your doubt that he's selling T-shirts for $30 a pop, daring you to bet against him. Contempt, contriving, commerce, and capitalism. Tom Brady said last week that we all think his team sucks, but Mike, the Patriots have been terrible on the road. Shouldn't we be doubting them a little bit? No. You can if you want. I mean, you know what this reminds me of? There, there are certain lessons in sports, Dan, and people don't seem to learn them very often. It's like when I was a kid growing up, 
And I got tired of seeing the Celtics beat everybody. And by everybody, I mean starting with the Lakers and whether it was Wilt and Jerry West or whatever iteration of the Lakers there were. And every year I, I kept thinking, okay, somebody's got to beat them this time because this team has home court and this team has this new guy and this team has this Hall of Famer and they would, they would never win. The Patriots are in that, in that space to me. And there you can keep coming up with all the reasons for other people to beat Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. You go right ahead. You go to Vegas on that. I know this is a close game. I know Mahomes has been great. I know Andy Reid is the equal of any other coach in pro football. Maybe beyond that, I'm still favoring the New England Patriots, even with their road playoff record under 500. Mike, nobody has been more embarrassed picking against the Patriots in the national media than I have been for the last five years, seeing, detecting a slight flutter in the deep ball of Tom Brady and saying, look, that's where the decline is. And since then, all he's done is defy history and age. And I believe that at and the you end, defy no, you yes, too. well, yes, easily me, but I believe at the end, this will be Father Time's one defeat. Tom Brady will win. Yes, and but no, no, no. I meant his defeat. I meant that Father Time will lose to Tom Brady. Oh, that Tom oh. Brady's never going wow. to age. But I doubted the chart. I doubted that the Patriots would beat the Chargers, Mike. Right. I doubted it, and they crushed the crushed Chargers. They, they don't have the advantages this week that they had last Agreed. week. They don't Agreed. have the bye week. They're on the road. This is a different situation. It's a better team. I believe, again, Kansas City's going to win. You're I'm going, doing it right here on television. Again? I'm going to do it again. Yes, again. You I'm going to be right eventually. I'm going to be right eventually. these lessons. Let's move to the NBA in a date many people have had circled for a year. After missing nearly that much time with a torn Achilles, DeMarcus Cousins returns to basketball tonight for the Warriors against the hated Clippers in Los Angeles. The champs have had less contribution around the basket than any team in the league so far this season. And into that void steps a guy when last healthy averaged 25 a game. Yes, it gives Golden State the most potent lineup in basketball ever. Maybe ever. Yet, is it clear to you, Dan, that this will make the Warriors an actually better team? Uh, it is not clear to me that Boogie Cousins will help them because at that size, coming back from that injury and with Russ, I don't expect him to be the same player. History shows that at that size, you're never the best player. I also think it doesn't matter, and it's so, it matters so little, so little, Michael, that he could have come back a couple you know, days ago against New Orleans and the Pelicans, and he said, nope. I'm not giving you the storyline. The Warriors are so bored, and DeMarcus Cousins hates the media so much that he won't even give us the story because they don't need him to beat the Pelicans anyway. Dan, it's funny because DeMarcus is just as sort of cantankerous as you mentioned, but I don't think that's it. What I wonder about, a, a couple of things, the movement that the Warriors have now generated over the last 10 games. You know, for a while the ball was moving, the bodies weren't, and now both are moving in great sync again. You're going to have to disrupt that to get Cousins back in there. And I just wonder about that element. I mean, one of the things that, you know, numbers don't really tell you is about the relationship between players on a basketball team and when it's disrupted and when it flows perfectly. I wonder how long it's going to take to do that. And if the Warriors are going to need that, even it, but when it doesn't it does matter, work. Mike, it, it doesn't end up mattering. You think it won't matter at all, Dan? It, if he's a problem, if he's playing 14 minutes, if he, they made JaVale McGee a champion, Michael. They made uh, JaVale McGee as a champion. Yeah, but JaVale McGee never got in the way of the, what I'm talking about. Do you think Cousins can 
not intentionally, but disrupted, impeded. Well, Dray- Draymond already told us he's going to have conflict with Cousins. He knows himself well enough to know that he he's promising you future conflict as a guy who's already been sent away for his conflict. These guys <laughs> love the emotion, and they're so good that it doesn't matter. Must see TV coming up with him and the Warriors. You love basketball, Mike, and you love telling young people to grow the hell up. Grow up! Dennis Smith Jr., the Mavs 2017 lottery pick, hasn't been very good this year, but as an added bonus, he's also frustrated with his role and wants to be traded and hasn't played recently under circumstances that are suspicious. The Mavs think they can fix this with him, can they? Um, I think they can. They have an incredibly creative coach, probably one of the league's best minds in that way, and Rick Carlisle. I would trust Rick Carlisle to come up with something. Look, you saw number 77 in that clip behind Dennis Smith, and that, of course, is Luka Doncic. And Luka Doncic is a guy who's going to have the ball. If he's healthy for the next 10 years plus, he may go some dirk length of time with the ball in his hands for the Dallas Mavericks. But it doesn't but, mean you have to trade another asset who just averaged 15 points a game a year ago. I believe Rick Carlisle can figure this out. Dan, do you? Uh, Luka and this kid are friends, Michael, yes. off the court. They haven't worked on the court. They were brought in to be a tandem, as you said, for the next decade. They haven't worked well together. They're trying to fix it because you're trying to fix it through the draft. When you're salary capped and you have a 40-year-old draft playing for you, you have to fix it through the youth that you have. But they're talking about sending him to Orlando, and you can't even get Aaron Gordon for him. He doesn't have that much value, Mike. So I do believe they're kind of stuck. Carlisle has been trying to reach him. They haven't had any success in that regard. Listen, if if they can't reach him, we've seen guys who were thought of as pure point guards who needed to be on the ball move off the ball. Even the great Allen Iverson at times in his career was off the ball. It helped him. They're going to have to figure out if they can get Young Smith to understand this can help his career, and they got to be creative about it. And then, Dan, if he doesn't want to do it, I understand a little bit. He's just being moved aside through no particular fault of his own. But that's why they pay you the big bucks in pro sports. Either get with the program or trade him, and it doesn't have to just be Orlando. Dan, the star of our last story in the A Block is somebody only a handful of SEC football fanatics have even heard of, Dan Enos. Seems Enos, who had been Alabama's quarterback's coach and was recently promoted for about a minute to offensive coordinator, was missing one recent morning at the beginning of a staff meeting. According to The Athletic, his boss, Nick Saban, wondered aloud, hey, where's Dan? After a few more minutes in absentia, Saban asked again, where's Dan? A few minutes later, In greater agitation now, Saban reportedly shouted, where the bleep is Dan? (laughs) Turns out Dan had left Alabama and taken the offensive coordinator job at the U. Very close to you, Dan. So what do you make of the way Dan left? Enos is how they're pronouncing it. I don't feel bad about that because I didn't learn about this man until he arrived at the University of Miami under these conditions. He's done this before. But, Mike, what this felt to me like was like a man fleeing an abusive relationship. And the reason I say that is because Lane Kiffin left there. And there's been a lot of staff turnover with Alabama. And when Lane Kiffin left there, one of the ways he said he left there because he was being asked by Saban to take off a baseball cap in meeting. Saban treating Lane Kiffin like a child, one of his well, assistant coaches. Kiffin might be this- a child. Right, but this it felt like this guy didn't actually want to face this, and I'm not sure I blame him. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure either. The turnover there is amazing, and in part, you'd first say, well, 
you're always going to have a great staff picked apart by people who want a piece of that thing, which is Nick Saban in Alabama and the great job they do. But then when you hear some of these stories, first of all, Enos, or however his name is pronounced, he is also a nomad. Like a lot of coaches, Dan, this guy goes somewhere different every year, and nobody seems to know where he is. There's always a staff meeting where they either say, oh, wow, we didn't know we had him, or where the hell is he? (laughs) So I don't know that this reflects directly as much on Saban as some would like it to. Let's take a break. Coming up. Duke has a huge home game against Virginia tomorrow. We're going to ask Jay Billis about the states of each team. And later, do flubs like wearing the wrong shorts make SpongeBob Michael Beasley irresponsible (laughs) or irresistible? Maybe a little of both at this point. Pardon the interruption is brought to you by Domino's. Order online and track your order. Geico presents Yikes, another voicemail from your roommate. What's up, roomie? Hey, a pipe burst in the basement. It's completely flooded. Anyway, I called for someone to fix it, but in the meantime, I was thinking we could finally have that indoor pool party we've always wanted. I got some cool swan floaty things already going. Could you pick up some chips on your way home later? The Geico Insurance Agency could help keep your personal property protected. Like if your roommate isn't the brightest pool float in the flooded basement. Visit Geico.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance. Tomorrow's a huge day in college basketball, headlined by number four Virginia at number one Duke at 6 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. And we welcome in a man who will be courtside for that game, our great friend Jay Billis. And Jay, let's start with Duke and some pretty good news out of Durham. Trey Jones is not going to be lost for the season or a chunk of the season. Apparently, he'll be back a lot sooner with Trey Jones in that lineup, Jay, do you see Duke as being better than Virginia, better than Michigan, better than everybody in college basketball? I wouldn't say better than, but I think with Trey Jones healthy in the lineup, they are as good as or can be as good as anybody. Uh, you know, Trey Jones, I believe, is the best defender in the country. Uh, and I also believe he's the best freshman defender that Coach K has ever had. And I'm not sure the latter is even a close call. He, he's next level in his ability to see what's going on on the floor off the ball, uh, his pressure on the ball. If you guys watch the Syracuse game, first six minutes, Syracuse turning their backs the whole time, and they're six feet, five, six feet further out on the floor. When he went out with that injury, then all of a sudden Syracuse is facing the basket and looking to attack, and it was a totally different game. He, he He's not their best player, Trey Jones. That's Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett. But he is by far are their most important. I find watching Virginia to be frustrating, Jay. I know they're very well coached. I know they're efficient. I know they're disciplined, but it feels like they're just there to get in everyone's way. I want to see the way Duke plays. Tell me why I'm wrong about the way that you that Virginia plays. You're not wrong, Dan. It's just a matter of taste. I think the the hard part or the hardest part about playing against Virginia is their rhythm disruptors. You know, they play the slowest pace in the country. They they keep the ball for an average of 20 seconds on offense. They are are so good defensively with not only the way they guard the ball, but the way they help and the way they recover. Because it's one thing to help, it's another thing to recover. And they make everything difficult. So if you're a younger team, if you're not used to the fact that it's going to be like being in a dentist's office for two hours, and they like, I don't mean that to, to be mean about it. It, it. They have Wi-Fi. It's got nice magazines, but it's still a dentist's office. <laughs> and you're not going to get shots. You're not going to get shots when you want. It's it, 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 Basketball is about rhythm. It's about establishing yours and disrupting theirs. And Virginia does that as well as any team in the country. And they've got three pros like uh, Kyle Guy, Ty Jerome. They're going to play in the NBA. And DeAndre Hunter is going to be a first-round draft pick in the NBA. They, they got three legit NBA players on their team. 
All right, Jay, speaking of that, I'm glad that you transitioned into it because, yes, we talk to you mostly about college basketball, but you look to that transition to pro basketball as much as anybody out there. I'm watching Zion Williamson all the time wondering if what he does now conveys to the next level. What do you think when you see him? I think he's going to be a great NBA player. Uh, he doesn't shoot it as well as he's going to need to, but he can he can make a three. And I think you know, he's made eight or nine on the season. He's made five of them over the last three, four games. Uh, is shooting his strength? No, but he, he doesn't even have to shoot a jump shot from three-point range. All he has to do is shoot a set shot because he's so proficient driving the ball uh, and, and spinning, getting to the rim and finishing. Uh, he's going to be a load in the NBA, especially in transition. And he can guard multiple spots. He's just fine. But shooting is not his thing right now, and it's going to need to improve, and I think it will. Uh, there's no comparison for him, though. I think every time we say, well, he reminds me of Sean Kemp in this or he reminds me of Charles Barkley, we're reaching because there's never been anybody like him on a basketball floor. He's not the best player I've ever seen, but I've never seen anybody like him. Well, Jay, didn't you say that when he was being tested on some of that physical stuff, he jumped over the machine's highest testing point? Yes, that's true. He had a 45-inch vertical, and the, the, the testing device didn't go that high, so they had to put, like, 45-pound uh, 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 plates uh, underneath it to, to raise it up so that it would still register for him. Uh, he, he's a freak. Freak athletes call him a freak. Uh, I, I've never seen anything like this guy. At 280, 285 pounds, it's hard to wrap your head around just how explosive he is and nimble and agile, especially uh, laterally. Like he doesn't run. Did you, I don't know if you saw the Syracuse game, but but Marek Dolajai, who might weigh 195 pounds, took a charge on him, and and he didn't even hit him that hard, and he lifted him up and and shot him back. Uh, and Dolajai got hurt and had to come out of the game. It was a great advertisement for uh, don't take a charge on this guy. A physicist said it's the impact of a Jeep to take a charge on this guy. Yeah. Uh, Michigan, though, Michigan's the one that is looking to be number one here. Is Wisconsin going to do that Virginia thing of just getting in everyone's way and fouling it up with their Wisconsin way? They're going to try, but they're not going to be successful. Michigan's the best team. Uh, they're the best team I've seen. That doesn't mean they can't be beat. It doesn't mean that Tennessee couldn't beat them in the Final Four or, you know, Duke couldn't beat them or Michigan State won't beat them. But they're, they're the best. They're, they're really good defensively and they can really score. And they've got an outstanding point guard in Xavier Simpson. He's not the, he's not the, the best shooter. He doesn't shoot it well, but he's got a hook shot. He's got this running hook shot that's, uh, that's magnificent. I don't know many point guards that have a running hook. Uh, but, but they're defensively, they're different from any John Beeline team that I've ever seen. Uh, that's their identity that they can shut people down. It, it's really impressive to watch. Jay, thanks a lot. Very jealous of you in this great assignment tomorrow afternoon in Durham. Jay is going to be on college game day tomorrow morning, starting at 11 a.m. Eastern. Let's take one last break, but still to come. Did the Cowboys offensive coordinator deserve to lose his job? And does Carmelo Anthony really have multiple options for his next stop? I'd like it if he had one option. Just one. No offense, Jay, that. but that was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering who was going to say it, you or me. <laughs> I got in there before you did, Billis. The rare one-upping of Billis. <laughs> It's happy time, people. Happy 39th birthday, Julius Peppers. It's one thing for a largely protected quarterback to be playing well at 40 or a rarely hit place kicker, but it's a miracle of sorts for a defensive end to be playing past 35. 
Peppers played all 16 games this past season for Carolina and recorded five sacks. He's been a three-time first-team All-Pro and nine-time Pro Bowler, which to me, Danny, adds up to a bronzed bust in Canton. In the history of the sport, Mike, not a lot of guys have been physically better at that position. He is built perfectly to do what he does, even at that age. He could have been a basketball player. Did that at Carolina. Happy anniversary, Lynn Swan. On this day, 43 years ago, Swan made one of the iconic catches in football history. People who slavishly devote themselves to numbers will tell you about this guy or that being better than Swan, which is idiotic. Quick, tell me the field-stretching average of just four catches for 161 yards. And Swan, unlike Antonio Brown, has never caused his coach or his team one moment of anxiety. You must hate Kingsbury for leaving him for a $150,000 buyout. Just gave him cash and fled. Happy trails to Michael Beasley entering last night's game as he was supposed to. With his team trailing by double digits and looking for him to provide a little spark off the Lakers bench, Bees tried to enter wearing his black practice shorts rather than his game union shorts. He rushed to the locker room to change, but the Lakers didn't miss him or a beat in their thrilling overtime victory in OKC last night. I love him so much, so much, Michael. I love No must, errors today. LeBron he was in South Beach too long with you. Him. We're running out of shows. Get to the big finish. Matt Hasselbeck told the Ringer, a team called him about playing this season. Your thoughts, Dan? Nathan Peterman started. Why not? Scott Lenahan is out as Cowboys OC. Are you surprised? They got to blame somebody for not winning the Super Bowl in Dallas still. Tim Tebow will open the spring in the Mets Major League camp. Big deal? He's been better than I thought he was going to be at baseball. Sam Amick says Carmelo Anthony has multiple options available to him. Any guesses? The Knicks, not a one. Last one, Manny Pacquiao. Adrian Broner tomorrow night. Intrigued, Dan? I want Broner to be good. He's interesting. Be good, Broner. Come on, we're out of time. Thanks for watching. I'm sorry I polluted your show. I'm Dan Levitard. I'm Mike Wilbon. Have a great weekend, knuckleheads. If you want more Dan, I don't know why, download his long-form interviews with celebrities called Selfie.